Welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution Podcast, where women are magical and empowered. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, psychologist turned transformational feminine business coach. This podcast is for you if you want to prioritize your own pleasure, face your fears, and manifest your desires. This podcast is sponsored by the Fearless Feminine Academy, where I teach women how to turn their trauma into their superpowers. My goal is to show women that we can heal our world by creating time and financial freedom by doing whatever the fuck we want. Are you ready for the divine feminine revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. I'm so honored that you're here. My backstory, I like to say, for me, it's something that I did many lives ago. Like I don't necessarily today identify with that part of myself as much. Sometimes it helps. And my life has just brought me to personal development. I'm an emotional empowerment coach. Right now I'm in the middle of a launching of something which I'm very, very excited about. It's called CTM Lab. It's a laboratory to connect through movement. So I'm not a dancer. I don't like to say there's a word in Spanish. We say bailarina is like a professional dancer. Y bailadora is someone who dances, like someone you're not I'm not a dancer professionally, but I am someone who dances. And so I've been salsa dancing for like 10 years, Cuban salsa dance. That's like my thing. If you've ever, if you've ever heard like Latin music, it's very upbeat, very friendly, very much like sexy and, and, you know, getting into this feminine energy. And about a year or so ago, I was starting to launch my coaching business and I was working home alone. I was doing a lot of home office and there was a point where I was like, you know what? I need to connect with people like physically I am. I'm done like this working on a computer is great, but I, I kind of want people right now. So I started something called Biodanza, which is. It's amazing for me. It's personal development in the flesh. It's about taking everything that we learn about ourselves, but through our physical body, like just grounding into our body and letting our body express itself and letting our body move. There's guided exercises. My teacher, she's like the most amazing, wonderful human being on earth. And I fell in love with it so much that this year I'm starting to become a trainer. It's a three or four year program to be a trainer for your dance facilitator. And in the meantime, I am playing around with everything else that I know, which is coaching, meditation, dance, movement to create this beautiful space. And I'm very excited about it because we already have one group and it's it's beautiful every week, like new things happen. Um, and that's where I'm at today, essentially. There's a lot more that I could probably say, but I'll just go with that for now. That's so incredible. It brings up a lot of things for me personally. One is that like when I was little, I did um, ballet all growing up and it was just very like um, confining and objectifying and kind of stifling in a certain way. And then in my um, more adult years, I got really into belly dancing and then eventually into Zumba. And for me, that was like a real moment of like reclaiming this like power instead of trying to be small and um, kind of tense and unfeeling. It was like letting loose. And that was like so powerful. And so like what it makes me think of is that I think so many women, because of like whatever trauma they've had, either personally or just like 
from these things we put on women through gender roles, I think a lot of us are out of body. Like what kind of fears come up either for you or for the women you work with around like dancing, being in their body, moving, taking up space? I like to, um, for this, I like to extend it a bit. It's not only women. Mm -hmm. It's people in general. We are not very used to being in our bodies and to feeling our bodies and to, and I, I think the biggest thing where this comes off is in anything that has to do with pleasure and sexuality. Mm. That's where all of the ta- taboos that we have, all of the stigmas around relationships and what it means to connect with someone else and what it means to connect with ourselves. And honestly, it's a journey. It's a process. Everyone has their own unique path. Everyone has their own unique process. And as someone who facilitates either with coaching or with this new space that I'm creating, um, all I do is hold space for people to to embody themselves at their own rhythm. We all have different rhythms. We have different organic ways, times, everything. And I think something I've learned through dance is to respect that in myself and then respect it in others. Because when... if Oh my gosh, like if you ever, I think there's something similar in the States called ecstatic dance, mm-hmm. um, which is very similar, but it's different because Biodanza has something like it has another philosophical thing behind it. There's, there's also a few schools. Um, and something that is very important is like affection, connecting with other people, touching, you know, getting intimate with ourselves, with others. And and all of that is a learning process. Mm-hmm. It's all a learning process. And there is no, you can't judge what someone is experiencing or feeling by observing their, their dance. You can make assumptions. You can have hypotheses. You can say, oh, this person looks more flexible or this lo- person looks more expansive or this person looks more com- confident, but we don't know. So all we can do as, as people that support others and, and help others is ask questions, guide them and, and let them find themselves. Like I do with myself, I'm still a student, you know, I'm still forever. I will always be. And the thing I find with my body, I don't know well, if you, if you're into this sort of thing, our bodies are like endless, limitless wells of wisdom and being aware of your body is just like a life lifelong process, just your breath, just inhaling, being aware of your inhalation, that, that in itself requires so much practice. (laughs) Absolutely. It makes me think of mindfulness, which, you know, obviously with mindfulness, whenever we're being curious, and that's what I heard you say, it was like that you hold the space for this deep inquiry. And I love that it's body-based because the body is so personal. And oftentimes, at least in Western cultures, I think, and maybe all over, we we sort of have this propensity for like overthinking and judging and sort of resisting reality. And I think like dancing and being mindful and accepting is all about, um, you know, being in the flow. So I just love that. And I can see how so much transformation would happen. Um, A lot of my own most powerful healing experiences and trainings have been kind of with more indigenous healers who really like look to the body and the breath um, to, to release all the trauma that we experience. And so it sounds like it it kind of blows my mind that you have an engineer background (laughs) and that you're, you know, like, I mean, you just strike me as someone who's like very free flow 
going. And I think that probably speaks to the practice. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been exploring myself for a really long time. And I think when I started getting into personal development, actually one of the biggest healing things that I have had to do is to be at peace with my engineering self. Mm. Because I realized like, you know, I studied for five or six years. I had a few jobs with this thing that I finished it and I had no idea why I was doing it. And I think this happens to a lot of us when we're young and we start school and we go to university and we don't know, we don't ask ourselves, okay, I'm going to study this. Why? What do I want to do with this afterwards? What's my purpose? What's we're, I was 17, 18 when I started engineering school. I had no idea. So one of the things that I've had to do is, is healing that relationship with my engineering self because I identify way more with flowing and letting creativity take over and just go with, the, with what feels good. So it's, it's balance, you know, and it's, I think the more I, I grow and the more I learn, the more I realize that it's a balance of, of everything and it's integrating who we are. And I, I know that you work more with, with trauma and all these things. That, that's something that I have high respect for. You know, there's a lot of misinformation around the coaching industry. And I am consistently trying and learning about, okay, how far can I help someone? There are certain traumas that I can't help people with because, you know, there are things that are very deep. And that's why it's amazing to, to have coaches that are, are therapists as well. And but we all have things to heal throughout our life. And for me, at the end, it's integrating who we are, accepting every single person that we have been, every child we have been, every teenager, every adult, accepting everyone that we have been in the past and embracing it. And with all of that, that we are move forward. I love that <sighs> much. And you know, what it really brings up for me is just like permission to change your mind, you know, to like follow your passions. And like you said, you know, maybe that engineer side of you was just looking for like the right, you know, should, or like the expectation piece versus like what really lit you up, what really brought you pleasure. So like, can you tell me a little bit about like that journey? Like what fears came up for you? At what point did you kind of realize like, Hey, maybe this isn't the path for me? Yeah. So I'm 29 now. Uh, I graduated as an engineer when I was 22. And, oh, it's only been seven years. Oh, it feels like it's been so much longer. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is like, yeah, between my 20s and 30s, it's like, but I guess it was a little shorter. Um, right when I finished engineering school, I went to India for eight months. It was an internship, a professional internship. I was there for like six months working and then two months traveling. I was 22. I went by myself. India is a very different place than anything I have ever like experienced. So to say the least, it was, it was an experience that stimulated a lot of new parts of me and a lot of new versions of you. When you're in a different context, it triggers different things within you. And I had the beautiful opportunity of, of meeting and encountering versions of myself that were way more vulnerable than I thought. Up until that point, I was like, engineer, I'm gonna you know, be this amazing corporate businesswoman and I'm gonna be rich and all these things with a, a lot of armor 
separating me from the world. And I was all powerful, independent. I didn't need anyone. I didn't ask anyone for favors. Um, you know, like I was very like, and when I went to India, all of that crumbled down and I saw very vulnerable versions of myself, a version of me that didn't know how to set limits. It was like amazing. It was a wonderful experience for me. And that's when I started asking questions. So that's, I think I was a seed that was planted and it's taken me years um, to, to find something different. Cause when you don't know what to do, there's this big question of like, okay, so what do I do? If this isn't it, then what is, and that question can be scary and it can be terrifying because there's a lot of unknown. And I mean, all I know is what I'm doing. So if I don't know, if I don't do what I'm currently doing, then what? And so it's been a journey for me. It's been a journey. It took me like four years to find coaching. And I think when I found coaching that accelerated my process and I'm getting better and better at, at understanding what it is that is for me and triggering. So came back from India, had a few jobs on and off in startup companies. It was, they were very interesting, but they, they were never my passion. And three or four years of that, I took a year off. I traveled, I did spiritual stuff. I did a volunteering thing. It was like a year of kind of trying every, I tried businesses, failed, and then in the midst of all that, I was looking at travel blogs and came up with the word coaching. And I was like, this, th this resonates. Like, I'm just going to check it out. And I started studying training. And then that was like a one-way ticket to everything else that's been freaking amazing. And yeah. And then as far as business is concerned, there are so many fears that come up. I think they will never stop. There's always the fear. The one that really surprised me the most, because I didn't believe like I said I lied to myself a lot I thought I was you know I had a lot of like I like this and this and this and it was all bullshit um so one of the fears that was really big for me is what people thought of me like other people's perception of me uh the fear of rejection the fear of my family like what would they say so that was a big one and I just kind of kept going I had a lot I've always had a, a great support system I think that's one of the biggest things that you know, coaches and friends and people that are like a team of people, you know, saying, Hey, you can do this. <laughs> so I see yeah. to that. And I love, I mean, that's kind of what I've got Sagittarius moon. So it's a very like global, um, you know, into spirituality, religion, like, yeah, I haven't gotten to travel as much as I would like to. Um, but I think it does give you that like meta perspective, of, you know, it's like, if you're in one culture, it's like the fish that is in the water and the water is invisible to it. And so when you get outside that, you really get that different perspective. And so I think that's just like so powerful. And I see a lot of coaches actually, and some of the people I've already interviewed have talked about that that was their awakening when they, you know, got rid of the shoulds and sort of got rid of this is how I'm supposed to be to be successful or to earn respect or to earn approval. And then they just follow their wonderlust and I think follow their pleasure. And so it sounds like that that really served you. Yeah. I always say I love travel. I've been traveling since I was a little kid. So travel has always been a big part of me and different cultures has always been a big part of my life. Um, so I have this idea, like, I don't, I don't believe that you have to travel to the other side of the world to, to see yourself or find yourself, or 
ask questions or get rid of these shoulds. Like you don't have to do that. It is easier because it's a quick change of context. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's all about like asking questions. I think asking questions is like where everything, when you ask a question, it doesn't matter whether you have the answers or not, like new things happen within you. And that's when you start like really questioning and challenging what you know to be true. And it's not always easy, you know, like you said, you're a fish in water. You don't see the water. We don't feel the air around us. We don't feel the atmosphere. We don't, when are we ever aware of the atmosphere around us? Never. It's you just there. Breathe, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, well, I love I, your passion. It really like shows through. Well, Yeah. I'm passionate about life. Yeah. Don't you think that that's such a huge, like psychological buffer? Like, um, I just think, um, especially women, I think if we get caught into, like you were talking about the people pleasing, um, patterns, I think we can put our own pleasure last and self-sacrifice or get codependent or kind of martyr or whatever it is. Um, and so I love that you're helping women become more embodied to tap into, and I guess people to become who they truly are by connecting them to the now. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really, um, interesting to me because I, I follow a lot of people. I follow a lot, a lot of, I read a lot of stuff. Um, and everything I come up with or come across with is the same message through different tools, through different methods. Some of the stuff is like through the words that we speak. Some of the stuff is like through our feelings. Some of it is about body and how we move and how we, but everything is always about being present, grounding into the moment, being here and now, following what feels good, pleasure. And that is a choice. And it's hard choice because committing to being here and now is not an easy commitment to do. Um, but everyone has that at their own disposal. It's, it's available. We just, that commitment. And I, I love dance because music is also a very quick way of, you know, you put out a high vibe song and it's like, it gets into you. You don't even have to do anything. Your body by itself will start moving. Like you really don't have to do anything. You, it just goes with it. And so that's why I think this is my way through movement and through dance, because music also helps. It's an easy way to just kind of cuts through all the bullshit and gets to where it needs to go. So I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think the artistic mind actually is more the, the right hemisphere. My uh, website is actually called right on brain because it is about tapping into that right side of your brain. That is more intuitive, artistic, pleasure seeking wise in the moment, like there's no linear time in the right brain. And so, um, I think it's just so powerful. And I think that's something that we're like missing a lot in this really like busy technological kind of judgmental culture. Um, and I think that certain level of like speediness is kind of violent to the point where we feel, I mean, you don't have to feel this way, but I think like, you know, sometimes people feel guilty to like rest or have fun or have pleasure. So like, what would you say to someone who's like, a lot of people don't even like the word pleasure. Like if people who are scared to dance or scared to like let go in that way, like how would you coach them through that? Um, I put music. That's the first thing. Um, 
Okay, so let's let's get into what is pleasure, right? And let's get into let's grab these words. Pleasure, from my perspective, is the in the broad aspect, it's the absolute joy of being alive. Mm. It's having the ability to savor the moment, to savor the food you eat, to savor the smells, to touch your skin and like fall in love with your skin. It's this ability to feel the beauty, like feel the beauty around. That is pleasure. It's not only something that happens within sexual encounters. It's the pleasure of being alive, like living. Are you into astrology? Do you? Uh, Yes, I'm obsessed. (laughs) So for me, pleasure, I associated with Taurus. Taurus? Yeah. Um, which is all about like the pleasures of life and just like, uh, and all these things. So for anyone who is like a little bit scared, put music and just, even if just observe that scaredness, even observe the tenseness, even just that, because it doesn't have to do with like a certain movie. It's just being here and enjoying, find something that is easy to enjoy. Something that is very, very easy for, for you to enjoy, whether it's food, whether it's your pet, whether it's music, find something that is very easy to, to connect with and give yourself a moment to like fall into it. Very important for anyone who wants to try something like this, context. Context is everything. So find a, a time where you can be on your own. Because let's, let's be honest, like being all sensual with life it's we we have to get into that vibe it doesn't just happen it's it's a process i've i've been doing via danza for a year and salsa dancing for like 10 so i've have a lot of exposure to to this like movement and getting into it and salsa dancing is very sensual sensual mm-hmm. i don't know but there's a lot of like flirting and you know kind of all this oh I'm so pretty and I'm not and all these things which is just kind of play and fun it's not really serious it's everything is play and fun so I have had a lot of time exploring with that and I think for anyone that wants to tap into that the first thing is making the choice that you want to making the choice that you want to and that you're worthy of it and that you can so the first thing is making that choice like yes I want to feel pleasure well, you're very pleasurable to watch. You know, we're live streaming this as we're talking. So the, I've got two screens going and one is a little bit delayed. And so I'm watching you on the big screen and then I can see just the movements, but no audio. And you, you just really are like so live. And like that really comes through in your energy. When you were talking about Taurus, it made me think of the planet Uranus is actually in, I would say maybe like two years or so into a seven year cycle in Taurus. And so I think um, Uranus is usually like this big lightning bolt, like will shake you out of like your rut. And like, it's like kind of like, kind of like the tower card in tarot. It's like rapid change, whether you want it or not. And so I think this period that we're in, we're seeing a lot of shifting happening in the way that we lived our lives. And I think in some ways with the restriction, it's like, we're realizing all the pleasure that we did have. And we're being asked to like, kind of create, I think, pleasure from within more because we don't have our usual outlets like travel or you know, hanging out or, you know, doing lots of social things because of COVID, depending on what's going on in your area. Um, But I just love that idea of like waking up to pleasure. And I think the worthiness block is huge. And I think especially in the coaching community, it's really easy to get the comparisonitis, to look at everybody else's progress and to say like, well, I want to hit this and hit this and reach this goal. And I think for me, 
um, being in the little middle of a launch right now, I'm really seeking for that pleasure. And I just keep reminding myself, like, I already have everything that I want, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I already have the enjoyment. I have the capacity for pleasure. Anytime I choose it, I don't have to have this thing happen to be okay. Like I'm worthy of it. Now I claim it now. That is beautiful. And it's amazing that you bring it like that. Cause it's, we get, we can get caught up in results and objectives and goals. And for me, it's a constant reminder. Like I will never pretend to have like all my shit together because this keeps coming up. I have to remind myself, like I have to remind myself, Oh wait, you know, this is actually like, I have so many things that I, I have fun with. Like these past few days, I've been having so much fun with my boyfriend. We we've been getting to know each other more through we're living together through COVID and we've like found so many like small moments of deep laughter. And I'm like, this is life. This is what it's all about. Like these moments. And we forget when we're too tied up with the work that we do. And when the work that we do, we value and we, and we think it's important, right? We value our work as important. It's very easy to get caught up in that and forget to pause, to take a moment, to rest, to breathe. Yes, I think definitely this pause has been like an an invitation to deepen intimacy and to just get back to like, I just joke around being a kid of the 80s. I'm like, okay, let's go back to like 1980s family life where we didn't have all these screens and, you know, this like rush, 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 but we like played outside and we, you know, had family nights and, you know, we talked to each other. Yeah. Last, Last night I was talking to my boyfriend, we were saying, like this pandemic has really brought to light. It, it brings to light. What are you doing with your life? Mm, that's the you ultimate know? question always, right? The existential feels. <laughs> the existential, like there's no distractions. There's no distractions now. You don't have friends to like hang out on a Friday night or go out dancing or go out and watch a movie or go to go to bar. Those, those are the sort of things that I do here in the city. And there's none of that. So what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life when there's nothing to distract your mind with? A couple of weeks ago, we had, I went on this conference with, he's a psychologist, coach, engineer. He also has like a bunch of degrees. And he talked about crisis and what crisis is and the kind of mindset things that it brings. And he was saying statistics about like so many people getting depressed and stuff. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is people not tapping into what they love. It's not people not tapping into the pleasure of being alive. Because when you, when you tap into that, you learn to have a good time, even if we're at home and to appreciate, you know, if we're here having this conversation it means we have Wi-Fi. It means we have a computer. It means we have time to be on this conversation. It means so many things that a lot of people don't have. So there's like a lot to be grateful just right here, right now. And I think that's, I don't know. I feel like this world pandemic has brought this opportunity to, to be more grateful, to tap into that. Or that's my experience, my, my reflection on on what's going on. Yeah. That reminds me, my parents had this philosophy of that we were going to celebrate the really good things that happened, but we were also going to celebrate like the really bad things that happened. So we would sort of like go out to dinner, even if something tragic happened as a way to like, just bring pleasure to like a painful situation. And so I definitely got that like zest for life and joie de vivre from them. And I think it's just like, 
giving yourself permission to feel, you know, and to feel um, completely and then to let it go, you know, because a lot of times we just, especially like I see this a lot with, um, you know, psychopharmacology and like mental health meds, you know, like a lot of times it just disconnects people from it. It doesn't make it go away. And so they're losing that connection. Like the pain is a messenger and it's the call to wake up. And so like, you know, I'm not going to give any huge absolutes. If you have to take it, that's fine. You know, I think then, you know, find ways to connect because that connection is where you'll find the answers and where you find that intimacy and that, like, like I said, the joie de vivre. That's so important that you mentioned that. And I love that family tradition. What an awesome that's amazing. That is amazing. It reminds me when I was, I remember when I was in coaching training, I have, I've always been very positive and I've always been optimistic and I've always been the, the person that is smiling and that's always been part of my identity. And so when I was in coaching training, one of the things that came up for me was that I had actually been like walking a lot of the negative emotions. So it was hard for me to connect with, with sadness. It was hard for me to connect with anger. It was hard for me to connect. Well, fear, fear I did connect with, but like sadness and anger were very emotions that I could not tap into. And I think when I was in coaching training, it was a year of a lot of crying. I cried like so much. I was crying. It was consistently like dealing with myself and my emotions. And I was like, Wow. And something, one of my teachers, he said, like, when we close off the negative emotions, negative emotions, there's no such thing, but the, the unpleasant ones, we're also closing off our ability to feel the good ones, the ones that feel really good. And so that was a big, that was, it reminds me that this, what you're saying was a big uh, learning experience for me to tap into the emotions that don't feel so great because they're here for a reason. They're here for a purpose and feel them, embrace them, and let them go. I feel like sometimes, I don't know, modern age, it's all about feeling good and being positive, and let's just type in, tap into the high vibes. And there's, there's a part where our shadows are not being contemplated in that speech, so. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's really true that you have to feel to heal. And like, of course, there's lots of feelings that we don't necessarily like to feel, but it's like, we're kind of judging our experience. And so if we feel anger or sadness or tragedy or whatever it is, like we kind of, our mind goes like, this shouldn't be happening, (laughs) you know? Um, And so it's like, we resist the moment. And I think that's what I find like just very uh, powerful about you is like, you can tell like through your philosophy, your optimism, your dancing, like, you've let go of a lot of the resistance, you know, like you're flowing and it's just like really beautiful to watch. I can feel that energy like coming off you very strongly. Thank you so much. That's very, it's always nice to hear words of recognition. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think also the willingness, you know, like I feel like, (laughs) you know, we were doing, uh, Hey, do you have any questions? Like, let's get going or whatever. And you were like, I'm just going to jump right in. And that's like a big thing in the therapy world. We talk about like willingness versus willfulness. Like willfulness is like being stubborn, dug in, judging, blaming, you know, and that's where we can get so stuck. And then the willingness to just like experience everything, um, is what true freedom's about for sure. Yeah. 
willingness versus willfulness. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just strike me as someone who's like very willing. And I think with dance, like what happens when you resist, you know, like that's the opposite of dancing, right? Unless you're taking a, a beat, right? Um, but like, you couldn't get very far if you wouldn't move. And that's what like willfulness is. It's getting like dug in to a certain position and, and not being stuck. I was just reading, um, you know, like we can't be stuck. We're just thinking the same things over and over. And so we're creating a similar experience, but like the only inevitable is change. And so I think dancing is just such a powerful way to tap into that and to practice like being okay with the constant flow. Yeah. And accepting also, this is something that I've, there's so much to talk about. So when I started coaching, the type of training that I did has to do with listening to the words, right? So what words are we using? Mindset, beliefs, these sort of things. And I remember there's always a part of me that is like, yes, but the body knows more. The body knows more than what we can say. Like, okay, we say things unconsciously and stuff, but our bodies are way more like, so I'm so glad that I found stuff where I can like explore that more. And when I started this Biodanza, imagine the first time you go to a class with like 25, 30 people and you dance and some of the stuff is to play. You have to, you invitations to be a child, invitations to make noises. And you're like in a room full of 25, 30 people and you don't know who they are. And it's like, this is very uncomfortable. And it's amazing how the stories start popping in. Like you can hear the judgment going on inside. Like, oh my gosh, what is this person going to say? And if I walked down the street and saw this, I would think we're all crazy. And oh my God, and what if I look like this? And what if I don't look like that? And it's so evident. It's so evident because when you don't have that chatter in mind, and you just dance and you just let the music take you, it feels so freaking amazing. It feels like you are the music. It feels like there's like no other, there is no, it's just is, period. There's like no words, no words to describe it. And it's a very, for me, it's a great indicator because we don't always, we're not always able to surrender our mind and surrender our thoughts. Sometimes they're there. And it's also learning to accept that that's also part of the experience. And some sometimes I'll dance and I'll, it'll be amazing. And sometimes I'll dance and I'm consistently thinking of what I have to do tomorrow. And everything is part of the experience. Everything is part of being yeah. human. It makes Here. me think of like an orgasm, you know, if you're stuck in your mind, like it's going to be really hard to like release and surrender to the totality of the moment, which is what was coming up for me when you were talking about dancing. I just think yeah. it's so powerful. And I think the more women give themselves permission to be in the moment, to be who they are, to be messy, to tolerate uncertainty and to like, just kind of go wild in the sense I had someone on here that was talking about rewilding, like rewild into what I would call like the divine feminine. And so I really see all these women like just tapping into their power at such a deep level that I really do feel like it's going to transform the world in this really powerful way. And I kind of call it like the divine feminine revolution as do many others. So I'm just kind of curious, like what's your take on that? Um, how do you think we can uh, how, encourage women to rise in this way? Uh, I think that by us having this conversation, it's already actions that we're taking towards this revolution. I don't have like proof or, or 
strong arguments as such. It's more of an opinion and a belief that I have. I do sense that, especially in the business world, in the um, organizations, companies, that sort of world with institutions, there's a lot of masculine energy, which is very good. The masculine energy is amazing to, to manifest, to create things, to do things. And I have this sense that women are rising, but more than women, it's this feminine energy of nurturing, of loving, of holding space, of having dialogue, of having open conversations. Um, my boyfriend, he's a, he's a, he works with companies and he's more of an executive coach, not so much life coaching. And he works in companies and stuff. And if you go to like an organization or a company, the things that are wrong or the problems is because people don't communicate. Mm-hmm. And this ability to communicate, to listen, to hold space, I feel it comes from like this women empowerment, you know, like we have the ability to create humans within us. Like that is freaking amazing. Oh, like it's not so hard. <laughs> every, if every woman were like to take a moment and be like, fuck, I have the ability to create life. Like that is amazing. That is you know, the core of everything. Starting that, we can, like, I think something that also is um, beautiful is this idea of sisterhood and women's circles and women uniting and collaborating. And this is not new. This comes from, like, thousands of years ago in tribes from, like, Mm -hmm. thousands of years ago. Women used to tribe together and help each other. It's a collaborative energy that we bring. And I really, really hope that more women empower themselves and take values and take principles into things that matter in the world. Um, I believe that it's happening and I surround myself more and more with women that are in that space. And I, I don't know, I have no way of predicting anything, but I do think that I do feel an energy. I think it's because I'm in it as well. You know, I'm, I'm consistently looking for women who are expanding. And yeah, that's what I found in some of the anti-racism work that I've invested in. Um, every program I've taken has really talked about the, um, the outgrowth of colonialism. One piece has been, there's many pieces and really all of the pieces are all the things that are kind of like problematic with the world, um, like classism or, Um, but this particular piece stood out to me is just the competition among women is part of that and like breaking the tribe, breaking the, the collaborative effort. And so I think I love how you really pinpointed that, like holding space understanding, and that's not just exclusive to women, like as, you know, I think as the divine feminine rises, it rises in men too, because we all have masculine and feminine within us. It's just the gender roles kind of get in the way of that unless we like rewrite them. And so I think it's just so important for, you know, particularly in these times where it's like very polarized that we can still like hold space and understand and like recognize the humanity in each other, even if we don't see eye to eye on these things, because that's what like peace and justice and, and equity is really all about. I I think that's one of the hardest things right now. 2020 has been a very polemic year, (laughs) a lot of controversy, a lot of really like deep things are coming out into the light. And I think one of the things to remember is that 
at the core of it, we're all humans and most of us want what's best for most of us. Like most of us want the higher good. Even if we think it's this way, we don't know if it's this way, but most of us, I like to believe that most of us are, are heading towards that. And it's exactly as you said, learning to accept each other, accept each other's views, even if we don't look the same, we don't necessarily think the same things or have the same point of view, being able to accept each other. That is hard work to do. That yeah. is the work. It is the work. You know, I think, I think there's an agenda there because when we're divided, we're much easier to control. And when we don't trust our emotions and trust our inner being, again, we're much easier to control. And so I think the, the most powerful thing we could do is unite. And, and in there, I think there's this um, dialectic, which means like two opposite things can be true of we can include everyone, we can have this inclusiveness, and we can also celebrate the diversity and honor the ancestry and honor like the traditions and, and the unique lived experiences of all of us. And those two things don't have to be at odds. Like everybody has value and everybody's unique. Yeah, absolutely. The land of and, not or. Yeah, both and is what we call it in the psychology world for sure. So I would love to hear more about like your offerings. How do we find you? Where do we work with you? Like tell us all the things. Yes. So the place that I'm most active on is Instagram. It's Analia Coach, A-N-A-L-I-A Coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one-on-one private coaching sessions. They don't have a time set. I like to believe, like I said, in the organic rhythm of my clients. And that. what I help people with essentially is design themselves emotionally for what they want. So what I work mostly on is releasing everything that needs to be released and getting into an emotional state of empowerment, whether that's self-confidence, self-love, whatever it is that the person wants to embody mm-hmm. to go after our dreams, you know, when we feel good, when we feel empowered, when we feel creative, when we feel like we're in our zone, we create the life we want. And so I am here to help people create lives that they love living, passion for life. So that's one of, that's my one-on-one offering. And right now I'm opening up CTM lab. This is starts in September. It has six modules. I'm going to test that out because I had my first, first version. We, we did the first version about two months ago and it's still ongoing. And for the second version where it's going to be six modules, six months, we're going to go into life vision, radical self-love, nurturing self-confidence, releasing limiting beliefs. Um, there a missing one celebration is on there for sure. Oh, and taking inspired action, of course. So those those are the six modules. The things that are transversal to everything that you will have in every single class is gratitude, love, abundance. These are topics that are always, always there. They're like the basics of it. And they're always there no matter what the specific topic we head into every month. Every class is about 90 minutes. This is a beautiful space to connect with ourselves with movement. I am totally in love with it because amazing things happen. Our bodies are amazing things and beautiful vehicles for our lives to be expressed. So yeah, if there's dance, there's meditation, there's journaling, there's conversation, there's all kinds of things. Every class is a little bit different than the one before. And we start in September. Last week of August, I'm offering a free masterclass. So if anyone wants to join, I can drop a link to sign up. And those are the two things that I'm offering right now. 
I love it. A lot of times with launching, you'll hear the coaching industry talk about being energetically aligned with your offer. And I think that that was such a beautiful example of it. Cause you could just tell like the joy and pleasure that, and the love and celebration that you felt, um, among those things. And, you know, with my background in therapy, I would say that those are the things that create happiness and fulfillment for people. So I think you're like a hundred percent on the right track there. And then adding the wisdom of the body. And in my experience of getting more and more embodied, like magical things just start happening. Like we think we're, you know, powerful when we try to figure things out, but if we can just really be present and drop the conceptual piece altogether, like, that's when things miracles start to happen. It's just like a, a mindset shift for sure. Well, I've had so much joy just talking with you and like, you can tell, I think you're a very good example of embodiment because you can just see that from the practice that you've done, that the joy just runs through you. And it's just so exciting to see that. So, um, Definitely. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, I'm so excited for your ventures because I think that that's just so needed in this world and to reconnect to the wisdom, the, the wisdom of your body um, is also like reconnects us to the wisdom of the earth, you know? And so if we're not in our bodies, then we're kind of like not connected to the earth. And certainly the earth needs us now to care about her and and so do our bodies. And I think that is the gateway to pleasure. So I just have loved our conversation so much. And thank you for coming on um, and go check out all your amazing offerings and let loose, right? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to appreciate it. There, it was perfect. <laughs> um, thank you so much. And everything you said right back at you. You have a lovely energy, beautiful. I love the space that you created. I felt very comfortable and yeah, sending you so much love, virtual hug. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and definitely go check out all of her offerings. Um, I'll make this uh, video public so it's available. You can share it and, um, you know, go ahead and like post your links below and we'll look for that stuff in, in the notes. Awesome. Thank you so much. And well, I look forward to working with you further. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the Divine Feminine Revolution Facebook group, where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts, and change the world.